Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Alexander Winger Show. The aim of this podcast is to provide cultural commentary, discuss good books and big ideas, and bring you, the listener, many a wonderful conversation in spite of the impending doom of the remains of Western civilization and our resulting inability as young people in this society to have a good conversation. We are also sure to always address as many listener questions and or comments as possible on each episode, so be sure to please write in with questions or topics that you would like to hear discussed on the show. You can find The Alexander Winger Show on Spotify, as well as on Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you all very much for tuning in, and we sincerely hope that you enjoy this first episode enough to want a second one. All right, welcome to the show. Today, I want to talk about a question a friend brought up to me recently regarding the history of the Latin Mass, the ways in which the Latin Mass is seen today, and the differences between the Latin Mass and the Novus Ordo. But first, I want to begin by talking about mysticism, because I think it's going to help us kind of set the stage for the discussion of the Latin Mass and the Novus Ordo. In speaking with friends, I've found that we all tend to have this idea of mysticism that kind of fits better with what apologists would call Uh, oriental mysticism. Um, This is an idea that's often stereotyped by amorphous, unspecified ideas of Buddhist monk-like meditation and incense, you know, levitation, that sort of thing. But that's not at all what I mean by the word mysticism. Now, I didn't really myself know what I meant by that word until quite recently, when I was reading one of C.S. Lewis's many wonderful books. Uh, This one is called Letters to Malcolm. In that book, Um, Lewis speaks of uh, uh, kind of of the three levels of prayer. The first and lowest level is formulaic prayer. The Our Father or the Hail Mary, etc., for example. The second and middle level is non-formulaic or freeform prayer. Um, For example, an example of this would be, Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Help help so-and-so feel better from such and such an illness, etc., etc. The third and highest level of prayer, however, is, according to Lewis, none other than mysticism itself. So Lewis, of course, was not a Catholic, but he does nonetheless have some ideas about what mysticism might be. He suggests that one of mysticism's essential defining aspects is one's willing removal of oneself from the world. So he also writes that by means of mysticism, Um, humans arrive at the only real contact man has ever had with the infinite God. So, finally, he assures his concerned friend, Malcolm, to whom he's writing these letters, of course, that not all, indeed not even really a majority, of uh, the faithful are called to mysticism. Now, that's kind of surprising. Let's let's, uh, take a deep dive into that idea. So, what's interesting is that Lewis is correct in all but one of his ideas on mysticism. That's pretty shocking for a guy who's not Catholic, right? Well, anyway, to consider what the error is, we have to first ask ourselves what, as Catholics, do we mean by the term mysticism? So, for Father John Hardin, who wrote The Modern Catholic Dictionary, a book, by the way, which I recommend for all of you, it's it's just kind of a, a dictionary of terms that people of our age might not have learned about or heard about. It's very good uh, when thinking about 
these ideas. So if we look to Father John Hardin's uh, Modern Catholic Dictionary, um, he provides a good definition of mysticism. It states that mysticism is what the Catholic Church defines as, and I quote, the supernatural state of the soul in which God is known in a way that no human effort or exertion could ever succeed in producing. Now, let's read that last part again. A supernatural state of the soul in which God is known in a way that no human effort or exertion could ever succeed in producing. End quote. The reason that last part is interesting to me is because it shows that Lewis was correct in all of his ideas on mysticism, except the one in which he assumes, quite naturally, in fact, as we all would, that mysticism, or the only true contact man can have with the infinite, in which the infinite is known as completely as possible by a human being, is something that is achieved by some human effort or action. I mean, we would all think that. Further, Lewis's assumption that not all are called to be mystics is confirmed a couple of lines later by Father Hardin, where he writes that mysticism is, quote, always the result of a special, totally unmerited grace from God, end quote. Now, to summarize the question of the Latin Mass directly, let's put that discussion of mysticism aside. Let's, let's get to the question of the Latin Mass, and we'll come back to mysticism, because it plays a really important role. But to the Latin Mass directly, its history is long and wonderful, but let's summarize. Otherwise, we would run out of time. Codified in The, the Latin Mass was codified in 1570, 1570 sorry, by Pope St. Pius V in the Apostolic Constitution, Quo Primum. Um, this Latin Mass, also referred to as the Tridentine Mass, uh, remained the accepted form of the Mass until 1969, when Pope Paul VI uh, promoted the Novus Ordo Mass. Now, the Tridentine, or Latin Mass, instituted by Pope St. Pius V in 1570, takes its name from the Council of Trent, Tridentine Trent, at which Pope St. Pius V standardized that Latin Mass and imposed a revised missal. So, why did Pope St. Pius V do this? This was necessary because, while I mean, the essentials of the Mass had remained the same since the time of Pope St. Gregory the Great, it, between 590 and 600 AD, many dioceses and religious orders, especially the Franciscans, had modified the calendar of feasts by adding numerous saints' days. The revised Missal was uh, quite thorough and was imposed on any Western diocese or religious order that could not show that they had used their own calendar or modified liturgical texts for at least the past 200 years. Eastern churches, of course, um, Eastern churches that were in union with Rome, sorry, we usually call these Eastern Rite, by the way, um, were, of course, allowed to continue their traditional liturgies and calendars as well. So at this point, it seems that the main push for this new missal was the standardization of a quickly differentiating liturgical uh, group of calendars. So Pope, Pius, so Pope St. Pius V was aiming, it seems, at liturgical unity. Then, looking a little deeper into what the Revised Missal imposed, we see that it required an entrance psalm, often called an introit, as well as a penitential rite, which we refer to as the confiteor, Latin for I confess, and the reading of the last gospel, basically just a reading from John 
uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14 at the end of Mass. Now, one of the most important emphases of the new Missal was the reaffirmation in the belief of the true presence uh, in the Eucharist. This is basically the Catholic belief that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist as it is offered at every Mass. In short, then, Catholics believe that the bread and wine literally become Jesus Christ's body and blood on the altar. As the Council of Trent itself wrote, quote, the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross is present and offered in an unbloody manner in the Mass. He's literally present. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so now that we've summarized the history and nature of the Latin Mass, let's compare it a little bit to the Novus Ordo Mass and pull out the differences. So Pope Paul VI, who instituted that uh, Novus Ordo form of the Mass in uh, 1969, simply allowed for the use of the vernacular, which is just the local language spoken by the majority of the community, as well as the celebration of the Mass facing the congregation, as opposed to the previous orientation of the priest towards the east, that is to say towards the high altar with his back towards the congregation. So these aspects of the Novus Ordo form have become common practice in most dioceses today. The traditional Latin Mass, however, remains, uh, retains Latin as uh, the sole language of worship, and uh, so that's one difference. And the other difference is that the priest celebrates the Mass ad orientem, so that's the Latin term for facing towards the east. This, uh, this orientation of the priest towards the altar itself with his back towards the congregation was meant to remind the faithful that the Mass was not about them, but rather about Christ's sacrifice for them making it appropriate for both the congregation and the priest to face the tabernacle on the high altar for the large majority of Mass. Um, the Tridentine Mass also offers only one Eucharistic prayer to, and that is acceptable, that's the Roman Canon, while the Novus Ordo Mass allows six Eucharistic prayers, all similar but still different um, from each other, of course. The Latin Mass is a uh, touted by some as the best way to be as close to God in prayer as possible. I have had the case argued to me by proponents of the Latin Mass that the traditional form is objectively better than the Novus Ordo form. Why do they say this? They argue that by placing oneself in an environment in which truth, beauty, and piety abound and converge, one essentially does all one can do to be as close to God in prayer as possible. Now, what they're really saying, if you think back to our discussion on mysticism, which is the highest form of prayer, is that they think that placing themselves in a given specific environment better prepares them to accept any mystic grace of God that may be granted. Now, to me, as well as to Lewis and the Church's teachings themselves on the highest form of prayer, the idea that one can directly affect the probability or possibility of receiving specifically unmerited graces of God seems incorrect. There are other reasons to value the Latin Mass, certainly, like its preservation of tradition, which is the Church's history. Um, but of course, there are also reasons to value the Novus, the Novus Ordo as well, given its use of the vernacular, um, which makes it easier for the faithful to understand what is occurring in the Mass, as well as the mysteries from which we get the actions that are done in the Mass. So on the whole, though, I think it's a mistake to denote one form of prayer as 
quote, the one to which everybody must adhere to be a good Catholic over any other form of prayer. Now, obviously, this applies to any group of essentially good things that all deal with the same object. You can't say, here's a bad thing among two good ones, and they are all just as good as each other, because one is objectively bad. But when faced with three or four different things that are also all happening to be essentially good, and concerned with the same object, namely, in our case, the sacrifice of Jesus' body and blood for our sins, it is not best to say that one is better than the other, when the way in which one prayer is conducted does not appear superior to the way in which another is conducted. Now, one form of the Mass may externalize expressions of devotion and piety more visibly than the others, but in the end, if the devotion and pious intentions are present in the same degrees in the act of prayer, in the act of the Mass itself, in both forms, then it is not right to say that one is objectively better than another at bringing one closer in prayer to God. And that is, of course, because we now know that no human effort or action can bring one to the highest level of prayer and knowledge of God, which is mysticism. We can't do it. No human effort or action can bring one to that level. It is completely given. I do want to be very clear here, though. Do I think that the Novus Ordo form has been taken advantage of by many who want to see the church fall? Of course. The Novus Ordo form has been hijacked in many dioceses by those who want to corrupt the church. Examples of this type of hijacking include abominations like the clown masses, which were most often seen in California, in which the celebrant would dress up as a clown and perform puppetry stunts, etc., at the altar during the Mass. Unfortunate. Another, really the most recent example I've seen uh, of this is uh, Father Terence Keehan, pastor of the Holy Family Catholic Church in Illinois, who <laughs> just in February 2022, sorry, February 2022, used a guitar to give the final blessing at a Mass. Used an acoustic guitar, holding it like a crucifix, to give the final blessing at a live stream mass. That's crazy. That's insane. I could talk about, I could talk about all the things wrong with that uh, if I had 20 more minutes, <laughs> but it would take me quite a while. If you want to further look into that particular instance, uh, there's a great news article about the incident by Joe Bucaris and Shannon Mullen of the Catholic News Agency, um, which you can find at their website, catholicnewsagency.com. Now, that was in February 2022, people. It happened long ago, and it's still happening today. Things like this happen all the time, but we need to be very clear about something. These are abuses of the Novus Ordo form, abuses. They do not stem directly. They are not written in directly to the Novus Ordo uh, missile. That's important to know. Admittedly, the Latin Mass's more thoroughly defined missile more effectively guards against this type of hijacking. That's that's undisputed. But in the matter of prayer itself, it is a mistake to say that the Novus Ordo is objectively worse in itself at aiding one in achieving the highest form of prayer. It's just not. I myself attend a very devout Novus Ordo Catholic parish, 
and have seen my faith flourish extensively during my years at this parish. But in that time, I've also been to several Latin masses at other parishes. Some I have found beautiful and effective means of, of worship. Very beautiful. Very effective. At others, I've been actively put down by other Latin mass churchgoers for regularly attending Novus Ordo masses. I've seen, I've been put down for slipping up once or twice with the Latin. I've heard of family and friends being uh, put down for not being in the habit of regularly wearing a veil to mass. Um, Neither form of the mass is perfect. And I think it's a mistake to say of a thing about which human action or effort is not the primary concern or cause of excellence that one form is really objectively better than another. So that's kind of all I have for today. I'm out of time, but we will be addressing any comments or questions y'all send in. So please follow my Instagram or Facebook accounts to submit your questions, comments, or topics that you would like to hear me talk about on the show. My Instagram is at Winger Alexander. That's W-I-N-G-E-R-A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R. And you can find me on Facebook by searching my full name, Alexander Winger. Please also share the podcast with your friends and family and encourage them to send any questions they may have as well. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today, and I thank you all once again for tuning in to this inaugural episode of the show. Till next time, and God bless you all. This has been The Alexander Winger Show.